broken pieces. Did you hear that? Broken pieces. You know what the message is on today? Brokenness. <laughs> the message is on brokenness, but not brokenness from the way that we treat brokenness. Because if you heard what Tree said, too many times when we're broken, we just break other things. And, and so we can't come at this issue of brokenness if we too are broken. And so we've got to come from a, another perspective and and the perspective we're trying to gain in this series is right up here. We put it on the wall so you'd have to look at it every time you walk in the building. It's coming from the perspective of a holy God. A holy God. A God that is not broken. He is the only person, the person of Jesus Christ is the only one I know that it says that he was tempted in every way but without sin. Unbroken. Whole and holy. But here's the thing. So many of us are living with things in our past and they are not only affecting our future, but they're affecting you today. Like things that you may be carrying and you've been carrying them for 20 years now. You've been carrying them for, for 25, 30 years. You've been carrying them. And the reality is they're affecting the way you live life. You're hearing stuff that nobody's saying. <laughs> You're drawing conclusions that you don't have a right to draw because you're pulling out of a well of brokenness, not out of pure water. And it struck me this week, we all know that as churches, a big part of what we do is pray for one another. And churches do it in, in all kinds of different ways. There are prayer chains and prayer lines and prayer groups and all of these things and as I was meditating on this I started thinking about the number of prayers that go out to prayer chains prayer lines prayer groups prayer warriors about physical sickness think with me if you've ever been a part of one if you've ever asked to put something on a, a prayer chain how many times is it that that has to do with someone who is sick or you yourself sick in some kind of physical way. But how many times do you hear on a prayer chain where somebody says, I need you to pray for me because I'm broken. I need you to pray for me because I have walked in brokenness my entire life and I'm tired of it and I want it to end. How many times have you heard that? You see, what I want to challenge you with today is that as much, and, and I'm not telling you, please don't stop praying for people to be made whole, be healed in their body. I think we should. We need to go after it. You didn't hear me say we shouldn't do that, did you? Okay, don't go out there and say, Pastor Kevin said we shouldn't pray for the sick people anymore. <laughs> what I'm saying is this. We need to pray for our brokenness. We need to pray for our brokenness. I'm going to go on and go there. If I offend you, let me go ahead and apologize. Um, oftentimes when we want to deal with our own brokenness, we will send out something and we'll say, I have an unspoken prayer request. Any of you ever heard that? Some of you aren't from church, so you don't know what that means. But we're notorious. Somebody say, you got a, I, I got an unspoken. 
I got an, un, I got an unspoken. And, and here is my concern over the unspoken prayer request. You don't want an unspoken prayer from me. So if you trust me enough to pray, if you trust me enough to hold the details of that situation, or don't ask me because I'm not the right one, go to a person that you do trust. Amen. And bear your heart before them. And tell them what's really wrong. Tell them the brokenness that's in your life, this thing that you're struggling with. Tell somebody that you trust. Because if not, what will happen is this. You'll get a thousand likes, a thousand loves, 500 comments to say, darling, I love you, and if there's anything I can do for you, you just let me know. And what you get is sympathy. But you don't need sympathy. You need wholeness. I love the fact that in Scripture, God does not hide our brokenness. He, he refuses to paint the story of the Bible with rose-colored glasses. He refuses to only tell the good things that happen and to edit the stories down to remove the bad things that happen. You see, I love that about God. I love the fact that when I want to know how sin entered the world, if I go to Genesis, He tells me, Y'all, it happened with Adam, and it happened with Eve, and here's how it went down. Wow. Instead of us sitting there wondering how it got this way. He said, I'll tell you how it got this way. I'll write it down so that all the world from now to the end of time will know. I love the fact that the Jews talk about Father Abraham. You know who I'm talking about? Father Abraham, the father of faith. He was a liar. I mean, like, a liar. You and I have talked about this. I mean, he lies and said, oh, no, it would be like me walking up and going, oh, no, that's not my wife. She's my sister. And King, you can go on and take her because that's my sister. You go on and take her because I'm scared that if you find out this beautiful woman, oh, ain't that nice how that worked out? <laughs> it's in the book. I didn't write it. So beautiful that the king will try to kill me to take her, so I'll just lie and tell her. That's my sister. Father of the faith, living in life. King David, the star that is on the flag of Israel. King David, the greatest. They call him the greatest king. Not Solomon, although Solomon is the great and wisest king. Their heart is always connected to David. That man after God's own heart. God didn't stop writing that story right there. Right, right. Now, you see, this man who is a, a man after God's own heart, he's an adulterer. We'd just soon edit that out of our own personal stories, wouldn't we? But God said, David, I can't edit that part out. The world has to see you for who you really are, that, that, that you, you committed adultery. But you didn't stop at adultery. You tried to cover it up. And you didn't stop there. When you couldn't cover it up, you killed her husband. So not only did you commit adultery, you committed murder. But you're still a man after my own heart. You, you think we don't know how to read stories and read people? I think we've got something wrong. God said, I'm not going to dress your story up. But you can still be a man after my own heart. You can still be a woman after my own heart. The, the people of God, by the time I get over to 
uh, Song of Solomon, and I start getting into the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah and all of those, it is one continuous story of them turning to God and turning away from God. Turning to God and turning away from God. There's a good king and a bad king. I'm so glad God only didn't write just the good kings. But he wrote the bad ones too. And then you get to Peter. And I don't know about you, but I just thank God for Peter all the time. Because I'm like, Jesus, if you can work with Peter, surely you can work with me, right? Because here's Peter. I'm convinced that Peter is me. That Jesus called Peter and he said, there's going to be a guy named uh, Kevin one day. And and he needs to know there's hope for himself. So Peter, I'm going to let you make some mistakes so I can get it written down in Scripture. Just for Kevin. This man, Peter, ultimately denies Jesus, not once, not twice. He does it three times. When he told Jesus that he wouldn't dare ever do it, Peter goes on to lead the church, stand up on the day of Pentecost and preach, and 3,000 people are saved. And I stand and I look at that and I say, God, thank you that you don't just write down the good and ignore the bad. Because if you only wrote the good, then I would look at my life and think that the Word of God does not apply to me. It only applies to perfect people. But see, when you read the pages of this Bible, you find yourself, if you read long enough, won't you? You'll find yourself. And what you will find is that the God of the universe is the God of the broken but not to leave us broken. You see, this is also the path out of brokenness into wholeness. You see, He couldn't leave us in our brokenness either. You see, God would not look at you and just say, mm, mess. <laughs> Some of y'all use that term, right? Oh, she's just messy. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't look at us and go, mm, they just messy. I'm, I'm, I'm done, done with them. But instead, somehow he says, my mercies are new every day. Every day. But you see, here's what we tend to do sometimes when we are confronted with our brokenness. And, and here's the problem. Man, the, the devil is such a rascal that most of the time people are broken at such early ages that they didn't even have any ability to say yes or no to it. That they were broken at a time in their life where they were absolutely defenseless. They were trusting people to take care of them, and those people didn't. They were trusting people to do the right thing, and they didn't. And so now you end up with people who are broken, and you follow that story back, and they were broken at four and five, their earliest memories. And the question is, well, what am I supposed to do with my brokenness? Can I tell you what not to do? Don't hide your brokenness. Don't hide your brokenness. You see, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they tried to hide their brokenness. They realized that they turned against God, that they disobeyed Him, and they are feeling, the I'm sure, the guilt and the condemnation and the shame, and they're saying, He told me not to. And they go run and hide. Do you know how many people, when they are struggling they remove themselves from the very people and the very God who can help them? 
How many of you, when you've been walking through things, that you stopped praying because you felt like you couldn't even voice a word? You, you pulled back from church because you said, I can't go down there. I'll be a hypocrite. Because I, I talk about other people being a hypocrite. And now I am one. And you, and you pull back. Can I tell you one thing about Ember? When I started it, I said, here's what I'm going to do. i got to make sure I phrase this right. <laughs> I wanted a place where people could come in and they didn't have to hide their sin. But in fact, they could come in almost confessing it as they walked down the aisle. And that they would find people that loved them there and would love them back to wholeness. That's yeah, you can clap there. I think that's good too. Yeah. Because what I have found about church is that when we focus on the holiness of God, we preach it from a perspective that no one who ever sins would dare set foot in his presence. Well, then where are you supposed to go to get holy? See, that's a trap of the devil. To make you feel like you can't come in here. To make you feel like you can't approach God. If you were ever going to be made whole, you know who's going to do it? A holy God. Man, we hide in a thousand ways. I guess they ran and jumped in some vegetation or something. They're like, here comes God. He comes down every day wanting to talk to us. You know God does the same thing with you. Comes down every day. You're like, God doesn't talk to me. Yes, He does. You're hiding. <laughs> So you can't hear him. But he's coming. He comes every day. He's like, hey, how you doing? Me again. The one that loves you. The one that created you. You see, I'm not stopping. He's a relentless guy. He comes in a thousand different ways. Oh, you didn't hear that voice? I'll give you another voice. But we hide. We hide behind our smiles. How you doing? I'm good. No, really, how you doing? No, I'm good. Quit asking. Because <laughs> I'm holding back the tears right now. And hiding because I can't tell you the truth. Now, go and leave me alone. Right? Pull away from people so you can hide. So you don't have to deal with anything. If hiding don't work, well, then we'll just cover up. You remember when Adam and Eve got those fig leaves? And they said, God cannot see us in our nakedness. <laughs> uh... You were naked before. Some of y'all got that. Yeah. That's how we do it when we sin. We're like, I got I to gotta cover up. I got to make sure that God doesn't see me. Because right now, I'm feeling naked. Guess what? Before God, you're naked. Every day. I don't care about how pretty your clothes are. I don't care how nice your clothes are, how much you paid for them, how much you paid for your haircut. It doesn't matter. You know how you stand before God? Naked. Why are you covering up? I see you. Covering up doesn't work. We'll just ignore it. We'll, we'll pretend like it doesn't exist. Problems? What problems? I got no problems. And, and we'll do all kind of things in order to try to convince people that, that we don't have problems. So can I tell you that most of us are living with some form of brokenness? 
And the worst thing you can do is to try to hide it, cover it up, or ignore that it doesn't exist. So here's the other thing you can't do. You can't wallow in it either. Oh, I changed gears on you, didn't I? Yeah, hold on. I'll let you catch up. You can't wallow in it either. What is wallowing? You know how an old pig will wallow in the mud? You ever seen that? You ever know what a pig will do when he gets half a chance? He'll go back to the mud and he'll wallow in it because it feels natural to him. Sometimes we've been broken for so long, nothing else seems natural. And, and people are trying to pull us out of the brokenness, but we won't because somehow it's become like a crutch to us because now I'm not expected to do anything. I'm not expected to achieve anything. I'm not expected to grow up. Why? Well, because you know my past. You know what happened to me. Can I tell you that if you want to be made whole, you've got to lose your excuses too. You're going to have to give up your excuses and you're going to have to quit blaming people. Because as long as you got somebody to blame, you got somebody to look at other than you. And there is only one person you can fix in life, and guess who that is? You. So many times when I'm in counseling, people want to fix their spouse. I'm like, good luck with that. In fact, I, I tell people before I marry them, I say, look at them. No, look at them. Chris, we, were, we went through counseling. You're smiling because you know I do it to everybody. I said, look at them. Is there anything about that person that you can't love right now the way they are forever? Because if you think you're going to change them, you're probably wrong. You're going to have to be able to love them just like they are because if you want to fix them or change them, and ooh, can I just say women, women sometimes y'all the worst. I, I think men, we're not real smart, and we're like, oh, Lord, I don't know what to do with her. <laughs> Maybe we're just pessimistic, and women, y'all are just overly optimistic, but you're like, oh, I get him married, I'll fix him. <laughs> I can just get him sleeping over at my house. I'll change him. <laughs> and I look at all the women, I say, I is one. If you can't love him or her the way that they are right now and in case they never change and you're not fit to love them. See, there's only one person we can change. So when I look at relationships that are broken, I look at this and I'm like, what can you do? Because you're the only one that can change. What can you do? Because you're the only one that might change. That spouse might never change. That family situation might never change. But I got good news. A holy God can change you. Amen. So, here's another thing. Our culture, ooh, we love to discard people when they do something wrong, don't we? Somebody does something wrong, oh, how quick we are. They're like, a friend? Oh, no, they ain't my friend. Hmm. Nah, man, we know each other, but I mean, we don't. All right, we went to school together. And, and we begin to distance ourselves from people. And, and it never fails, man, when somebody does something wrong in the public eye, the media absolutely crucifies them. 
You know what I would love to see? I would love to see rather than us crucifying people who sin, I'd love for us to go and try to restore. Because you know what I want when I'm broken? Somebody to come and restore. Not someone to discard. The last thing I need when I'm struggling is somebody to walk away. The last thing you need when something is going wrong in your life is for people to walk away. And so we discard people. And that was the whole lead up to the verses that I want you to turn to today. Psalm 51. I want to tell you about a holy God and how a holy God treats brokenness. So I need you to turn to Psalm 51. This is where David, who has committed adultery, who has killed Uriah the husband, he is facing the prophet and he is facing his sin. And he writes this psalm, Psalm 51, and it is verse 17 that I want us to focus on. Here's what it says. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Oh, did you see that? God said, you know what kind of sacrifice I want you to bring? I want you to bring your broken life. Can any of y'all see this? Uh, honey, this was a mug that I don't think we were using. <laughs> Back in the days of sacrifices, God told the people of Israel this. He said, man, you know what your sacrifices? They make me nauseous. They make me sick. The smell of them makes me sick. Because you keep wanting to make sacrifices, but the one thing you won't give me your broken life. <laughs> he didn't want sacrifices. Do you know that God today does not want your sacrifices? You know what He wants? He wants your brokenness. Because He's a holy God and He says, if you'll lay your brokenness yourself on the altar, I will take you and believe it or not, I'll make you whole. Mm. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. You see, when you quit making excuses, when you quit hiding, when you quit trying to camouflage things, and you stand before God, when Peter saw Jesus the way that he is, he said, Oh, woe is me. I am undone. Do you know what that word undone is in the Greek? It means I am disintegrated. There are times when you stand before a holy God and you feel like this. There are reasons that people don't come to God and it's because they feel like this. And God says in Psalm 51, 17, from the man who was in, I don't think anybody here has committed murder. I don't know. From the man that committed murder, a broken and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. Look at Psalm chapter 34. Verse 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. <laughs> when we're broken, the thing that we typically ask is, oh God, where are you? Anybody ever done that but me? Anybody lying in here but the three of us? <laughs> when we're in this state, the tendency is to say, oh God, where are you? Psalms 34 Verse 18 reassures us the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. 
And He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Yeah, see, I ran across something not too long ago. And, and it's this thing that happens in the, the Japanese culture. Don't put it up just yet. But in the Japanese culture, pottery is a big part of their culture. And so they, they have pottery for bowls and tea cups and uh, teapots and everything's made out of this beautiful pottery and they spend great time on that pottery. Do you know that you are the workmanship of God? You're beautiful pottery to Him. Even though sometimes it says we feel like earthen vessels. We're beautiful to God. And in Japan, when the, the pot get broken, they don't discard them. Even as a culture, they don't discard their broken pot. In fact, what they've done is they found a way to restore them. I want you to see a piece of restored pottery. Isn't that beautiful? I looked at that, and I didn't even know what it was when I first saw it. But, but I'm like, I don't think that was intentional. And I'm like, I think that thing was broken. And somebody repaired it with gold. And I'm like, let me, let me, let me look into this a little bit more. Look at another one. Look at that. Another thing that clearly, that was not intentional. That was, that was broken. And yet, somebody didn't just throw it in the, the trash. But they took the time. And they put it back together with gold. And to me, I said, you know what? I think it looks better that way. What do you think? Look at, look at one more. Look at that. So here's the process that they go through. They believe that, that pottery is worth saving. I'll say that people are worth saving. And what they do is they, they have this thing called kintsugi. It means golden kin sugi joinery. Golden joinery. And what they do is they send this to be put back together. And so... Every piece is put, and if there's a piece missing, it's filled in with gold. Why? Because they say that that reflects life. Now, just in case somebody is watching, this is just an analogy. This is not Near East religion and all that stuff, okay? It's just a pot to me, okay? But it speaks of a great truth. That, that here's what happens. First, the person doing the repair work has to sort the pieces out. Have, have you ever been in a situation and it was so desperate that you didn't know what to do? You couldn't sort it out? And, and so what happens is that the, the master craftsman has to begin to, to figure out what pieces go, go where. And, and sometimes if, the, if it's a lot of brokenness, it takes some time to, to sort it out. Oh, wait, I got one. Look at there. You have, to, you have to sort the pieces out. Now, what we want to do sometimes is we want to go to God and we're like, God, this used to be a coffee cup. I'm going to need that handle back real fast. <laughs> Any of y'all ever pray like that? Like, God, I know I didn't know what I was doing and got myself broke, but clearly I know better about how to fix me than you do. And so, God, I'm going to need you to put the handle on in a hurry because I need to get back to using my pots. A lot of good that's going to do, isn't it? Like, how am I going to do that? 
And so a lot of times when we're worried about what God is doing, and we're like, God is not moving. You know what he's doing sometimes is you were praying for God to move that situation, and God said, I can't move that one, I'm moving this one. But because all your attention is on the handle, you don't realize I'm putting this piece back together. Huh. And so what happens is you put a piece back together and you glue it with gold. It's a, it's a gold lacquer and it holds the pieces together. And if you're like me, here's another thing. When I pray, God, fix me. Fix me fast. Like fix me in a hurry, God. Fix all of me. Fix all of me today. A lot of people come to Jesus and they get saved. And they think if I just get saved today, God's going to fix me all at one time. Did anybody get fixed all at one time? Anybody get fixed all at one time? Because I wanted to shake your hand. Nah. Oftentimes what God will do is He'll pick the piece that you didn't think that needed to be put back in order, and, and He'll glue that piece. And it takes time for that piece to be put together, glued, held in place, until it dries and becomes solid. You think the master craftsman doesn't know how to put things back together? He said, if, if I move on too fast and this part is not in order, that when I go to put this piece on, it won't hold and you'll break all over again. Could that be what happened when we tried to fix ourselves? That we tried to put ourselves all back together, but we didn't put it back in the right order and we didn't let the pieces to dry in the particular order that they needed to dry in and we broke again i don't know how many people i've watched walk through a situation in a relationship and a relationship break down and you talk to them after that relationship and i say how you doing good i just need somebody yeah i'm like no i maybe not i, I hold on and they're like no i'm lonely and i'm on the look I'm trying to find somebody because I need to be put back together and I'm tired of being lonely. And I'm like, ooh, could we just slow down just a touch? Because you might not even be the person that needs to be in a relationship because you're so broken you can't hold water. <laughs> you hurrying up wanting to get to another job, you don't even know why you lost the last job. You want God to fix one broken circumstance or situation? And God said, I'd love to. But right now, you don't even know why it got broken. But if you will let me put the pieces back together, give God time. If you give Him time, you don't rush His work, then He'll put you back together. And when he puts you back together, it's almost impossible to act like you weren't broken. In fact, I would discourage that. If, if you've gone through sin, if you've walked through sin, if you walk through brokenness, if you walk through whatever it is, I, I would actually recommend to you that you not try to hide it and cover it up. I, I have an, an old vase, and I, it was before I found this, it was an old water pot that my grandma used. So it's old and it was broken and somebody put it back together with super glue. And from 20 feet, it looks good. 
But up close, it's definitely broken. And a lot of times what we want to do is we want to put our lives back together with super glue. And we're okay if we look good from 20 feet. But the reality is when we're standing face to face with people, everybody knows. Yeah, they're being held together with super glue, duct tape, <laughs> bailing wire. <laughs> they see the mess. But if you will let God put you together, and you'll let a holy God heal you. And what he'll have to do most of the time is in order to heal you, he's going to have to teach you what it is that made you broken in the first place. Because why would a holy God put you back together? He loves you too much to see you be broken again. Loves you too much for that. So my question is this. Will you, will you submit yourselves to the hand of a mighty God? I was meditating on this about two weeks ago. I'm like, God, you are the one who can split the earth and people fall in it. And yet, when he has worked on my heart, he works. <laughs> Mike, you're a good surgeon. <laughs> but I know a better one. <laughs> I don't know how. Their hands are important. Those surgeons' hands, they're important. They have a meticulous work. And I'm like, God, how is it that you can split the earth earth and move the plates of the world with your hand and yet work on my heart like a gentle surgeon and put me back together again. but that's what a holy God does and so my question to you is this are there areas in your life that you keep repeating like you wind up there over and over and over and over again or you would say, I'm stuck right here and, I, and I, I cannot move. I am broken. Can I ask you a couple questions in parting? Are you still asking people for unspoken prayer requests? And you're more satisfied with sympathy than you are help? Then turn to someone you trust and say, I feel like I am broken. I don't even know why. I don't even know how. I don't even know where, where it came from. And allow God to begin to, to put you back together. You see, I'm inviting you to something today. First Peter says this, Be holy, for I am holy. And most people read those verses, Be holy, for I am holy. And they said, God said that. And they look at themselves and they go, But I'm broken and we run from God or we fix ourselves. <laughs> That's an invitation, y'all. Be holy because I am holy is an invitation. It is an invitation from a holy God that says if you will give me your broken and your contrite spirit, <laughs> your broken life, I'll put it back together. And he doesn't use gold. He uses blood. Because you see, in God's economy, gold and silver is perishable. Here's what he says. Knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, 
as a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Holy God. said, I'll put you back together. And I won't use gold. I will die on a cross, give my life, shed my blood, so that through my blood you might have forgiveness of sin. You might even be asking, how does he even put back the pieces together? What tools does he use? Tell me more about this precious blood. The precious blood of Jesus stands for his forgiveness. And more often than not, you begin to put people's lives back together and glue them back together through forgiveness. Forgiving yourself. Forgiving people around you. <laughs> even forgiving God when you thought he should have done something and he didn't do it. He uses forgiveness to glue us back together. He uses love to glue us back together. That's why I refuse to stand up here and to point out your sin. You know why? Because more than likely, all I'll do is break you more. I'll just break you more. There's no place for a person to stand up here and to condemn individual sin in people's lives. Now, if you love, if you know that I love you, then I can probably sit down with you during the week and we can have a conversation and I can say, why are you doing that? Why do you continue to do this? What if you did this? This is how God made you. This is what God wants of you. And so I would say to anyone who says to me, Kevin, you only preach forgiveness and you only preach love. And I would say, yes, but you don't know what I do in private. And when you're putting precious pottery back together, that's not public work, that's private work. Yeah. Yeah. So he puts us back together with forgiveness. He puts us back together with his love. Because I can tell you this, the Apostle Paul, he said this, he said, I'm compelled. There are times I've been like that, I'm like, I want to quit. I want to quit. You ever wanted to quit? You want to quit your spouse? You want to quit your kids? You want to quit your church? You want to quit your job? You want to quit whatever? We could go on forever and ever, right? Because that's the kind of culture we live in, right? If it gets broke, we just quit. It's like, I want to quit. And yet the love of God comes to me and says this, you can't quit. Because <laughs> I'm not done with you yet. Jesus. You can't quit because I'm just getting started in you. Forgiveness, and love, and mercy. Because I don't know about you, but I've been the one that I tried to put myself together. And there were some areas of my life, they were broken a thousand times. And you say, I don't know if he can put me back together. I would say, God is far more powerful than you currently believe that he is. So here's the invitation. Will you just stand with me? I believe that God is calling this church to a higher level of holiness. I believe He's calling us to holiness. And it's a holiness like you may have not heard before. The kind of holiness you heard before was stop that, quit this, do this, don't do that. 
What I believe God is saying is you need to examine your life because there may be some places that have been broken and you refuse to acknowledge it. That there are some places and they've been broken so long that you convinced yourself that you're whole. And I'm not trying to get you to doubt anything, but I'm just saying we have an amazing ability to be messed up and not know. Everybody around us know it. You ever been that way? It's like you see a person and they think and they act like they've got it all together, but everybody around them goes, ooh, why are they so bitter? Ooh, why, why are they so critical? Why, why are they so angry? And then you, you look at them and you say, why are you so angry? And they go, I'm not angry. <laughs> Okay. I could be wrong. Look like super glue, duct tape, and bailing wire to me. We're not even going to play music. And we're doing invitations for a little bit, a little bit different. Which is this. We're going to have some people come up and pray. And here's what I have found. That there are some things that God changes instantly. I mean, like, in a flash. But most people who have walked with God said there are things that He changed instantly, and there are things that I feel like He's still working on. And I believe the things that we're still working on are the things that He's trying to get at us and say, hey, there's some brokenness there. There's something you're ignoring. There's something you're not paying attention to. There's something you're still doing that I need to fix in you. And so we're doing invitations different. So we're praying for those instantaneous miracles of God. But we're also inviting you to sit down with somebody and talk about your brokenness. Not only will God restore you to yourself, but there's this amazing thing that God does. He'll restore you to your family. He'll, he'll restore you to your church family. You see, God not only wants to heal individuals, but He wants to, he wants to restore entire communities. Do you know that's what God will do to Chester if we let Him? Yeah. Tony and Treese, your son died at 23, right? 22 years old. He died at 22. And I believe that what this community needs is some healing through the blood of Jesus that heals an entire community that looks at young men and young women who somehow have lost value in life and say, your life is important. Your life matters. And that we stand up and we speak against it. I think every one of us ought to be concerned about the death of our young people. Yeah. I guarantee you, you'll be concerned if it comes to your house. But when a fire is ripping through a city, it doesn't matter at whose house it started in. What will happen is the entire community will be burned unless people come and put it out. How are you going to fix a broken community if you stay broken? How are you going to heal your broken family if you stay broken? 
So let me pray over in Jesus' name, and we're going to let you go. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that hearts have been convicted. That today we're fed up with brokenness. We're fed up with being disjointed. We're fed up with being separated. And that today, Lord, we submit ourselves to you, a holy God, to make us whole. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Go this week and help somebody be made whole.